I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove, my oh. love, oh. the joy of my life, my beautiful wife. Hello, dear. I wrote you a poem. I heard that. I love it. Okay. And you, I assume, <laughs> now it's your turn to do a poem on I me? Just, I, didn't, I didn't know I was going to need to do a poem on you. You didn't know? You, you don't always have one ready to go? No. I always have a poem in my heart <laughs> ready to go whenever the moment calls for it. Uh, but only one at a time. Don't ask me for another one. <laughs> I've used my poem for today. Everybody gets one a day. And I used it on you. Okay. Now she's thinking so hard. <laughs> no, I can't. Don't put me on the spot okay. like that. All right. Not everybody is an improv poet like me. And I wrote that poem while watering the flowers about 20 <laughs> minutes ago. It took me a long time to come up with those four lines. I went with an AABB kind hey, of- Wait a second. What? I thought that you came you came up with that just a second. It's in my heart. It was in my heart. It was in my heart. It was in my heart. I feel like this is a, this was a false advertising. Listen, I knew the episode was going to be about poetry. I Here, think, well, now hold on. I went into that so confidently. <laughs> that is what the episode's about, right? Sort of, yeah. Oh, okay. Poetry readings. Here's one that Alex wrote for you, listeners. Hello, fanners. We're glad you're here. It's always better when you're near. We know this is a silly way of proceeding, but our topic today is poetry reading. Very good. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? There, in my mind, I only have a couple touch points for poetry readings. Okay. And right now, reaching in my head as deep as I can, I can pull out two. One is the uh, like the uh, Puppet Land band from Pee Wee's Playhouse, okay. where they were like bebopping cool cats, and they were always kind of speaking in rhyme and like playing bongos and stuff. Okay. And the other one is Mike Myers in So I Married an Axe Murderer, where I believe, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, his job is professional beat poet. Mike, okay. Mike Myers, professional beat poet. For some reason, I always go to what is I don't know what the oh and movie. Judy Funny Doug Funny's older sister Doug Funny's older sister. Okay. Uh, I always go to that Audrey Hepburn scene where they're the beatniks, right? And she's yeah. dressed in all black and they're oh yeah 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 doing kind of like jazz improv, but that's not even poetry, right? I guarantee, like if you took a poll of a thousand people and asked them to picture a poetry reading, I guarantee. Something close to ninety percent would talk about snapping, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That I'd like. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, "Well, you know, it's like people in like black turtlenecks, yeah, and with snapping. hoorays, yeah." And then you'd be like, "Have you ever been to a poetry reading?" They'd be like, "No." no. <laughs> We're going to talk about snapping in just a minute. Um, but first, let's talk a little, 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 little about poetry history. So, the first time someone realized that words rhymed was seventeen twenty-eight. No. Yeah. How do you you go back (laughs) poetry history? Like, you can't actually know when it started, right? Like, so 
lots of different um, cultures throughout the world, right, have oral tradition, right? Sure. So that's what we're well, that's what we're going to talk about. Like, so it's like the idea of um, telling whether it's history or lineage or ancient myth, right? Mm -hmm. uh, religious, all that kind of stuff, right? Like bread and dragons, every culture has their own version of poetry. And uh, we were yeah. talking with BB, well, we, were, we were talking about pasta, was that it? Like noodles, where we were like, nobody, like, or maybe spoons, that's what we were talking about. It was spoons. Is that the history of spoons, it didn't really originate in any one place because it was something that like kind of spontaneously people all kind of came up with before we were able to share information. And it's true of poetry too, right? It wasn't like one guy created poetry right. and spread it around the world. Exactly. Um, so the earliest poem- My name is poem. John Poetry. I go around <laughs> planting poetry seeds in the ground. Something like that. It's believed to have been recited or sung, and it wasn't like flowery, flowery language, right? It was probably for um, to remember, like I said, genealogies or law. The earliest poetry exists in the form of hymns, right? Sure. Such as the work of Sumerian priestess Aheduana. And other chants that covered everything from, you know, like family trees to religious rites well, yeah, and, that's the, and things like that, right? you've ever heard right? the begats? Yep. Right, that was mm -hmm. that. This person begat that person. This person begat that person. It was like uh, a, a very structured way of like memorizing things, right? Absolutely. Oh, and what are they called? What's the, the uh, I think Psalms. I mean, the Psalms are yeah. poem, but what's the Beatitudes, right? In that sure. One? I mean, I all know. of that stuff, right? Whatever it is, it has kind of um, a rhythm. It might rhyme, it might not. But it's a way of passing information that is easier to remember, right? That's the idea of like an oral tradition. Yeah. Um, but what we see now, right, is it's more of a public oral recitation, right? Sure. Or a performance of a poetic piece. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it can happen anywhere, right? But when we picture a poetry reading, we think about cafes and bookstores and libraries. Right? Sure. That's what that's what I think too. And these are often modern day called poetry slams. Oh. I which, like that. It makes it sound so much more violent than it is. <laughs> I think it's it's I think it's a way of making it less like hoity toity literary sounding. Yeah. Um, if you uh, hey, listen, I've never been to one, but if you frequent rap battles, Please start referring to them as poetry slams. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Hey, guys, what time is the poetry slam tonight? What? The poetry where we rhyme at each other, but in a like violent way. Well, I mean, I guess when you put it like that, yeah, it's at 8 p.m. Don't forget the Doritos. I've never been to a rap battle before. I don't know if that's clear. I've I watched mean, 8 Mile. I have too. But okay, so the idea is that the person performing the poem uses the pitch and stress of their voice to communicate the work where they utilize pauses and rhythm in a way that's meant to bring the poem kind of to life in front of an audience. Can I tell you, once again, this is just showing what incredible dork I am, uh, and maybe uncultured, but what I immediately pictured was me reading uh, the, uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas to the girls, right? That's, sure, poem. that's yeah. poetry reading, a lot of inflection in there, a lot of acting. Or I pictured a bunch of fifteen-year-olds doing prose poetry at uh, at speech debate competitions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so I really cool. like to do a little bit of um, 
I like to do what's the the book? Uh, Room on the Broom. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one to do it too. BB has this book. It's like dinosaur, like Valentine dinosaur thing. Mm-hmm. And some of them are very clearly like, well, we've taken Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, but we've changed the words. It's the rhythm of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, right. but with like words about Valentine's dinosaurs. But some of them, it's like, this feels like it's supposed to be something, but there's no like, n- there's no like rhythm notes or whatever. And I'm trying to figure out what the song is, what the rhyme is. And sometimes it's. Oh, just, sometimes you just have to. Say it out loud until you hear it. I don't like it. I know. I'm sorry. Honey. I need I need clear direction. Here are a couple of the poems that may have been a part of your life. Uh, listen to this. I before E except after C or sounding like uh, A as in neighbor or way. Right? The, the snaps will, again, we'll get back to the snaps. I know. I'm just very good at snapping. Um, I kind of want to show that off. Okay. That Over, whistling. under, around, and through. Meet Mr. Bunny Rabbit. Pull and through. Righty tidy, lefty loosey. I don't know. Don't you be a silly goosey. <laughs> okay. Um, so, obviously, the rhythmic uh, nature of it and the repetition that you hear makes it easier to remember and retell because that's part of the way that our brains work. Um, and so... Poetry and nursery rhymes specifically have been so effective that these poems and other rhyming devices are recommended as tools to teach, like, for example, English as second language courses. Oh, yeah, it makes right? a lot of sense. And it's also why so many ancient works, whether it's like the Iliad or the Epic of Gilgamesh mm-hmm. or or um, Beowulf or whatever it is, right, um, are composed in poetic forms, because if a story rhymed, it had a higher chance of living on through the next generation. Well, and also, like, um, I remember learning about when I, when I took some, like, psychology classes in college, and it's easier to memorize things, like, in chunks, right? So, like, even when I remember if I had to, like, memorize a monologue for, like, a show or something I was in, I would break it down, like, sentence by sentence, you know, on note cards. And so, because, like, you can't take Mm -hmm. like a page and a half and memorize it all in one go right you want to memorize this line and then remember that it goes into this line so if it's structured that way of like just remember these seven words then these seven words then these seven words like there's something about short-term memory and like the maximum number of things you can hold in your short-term memory is like seven right and if you i don't know if that's right but that's i remember learning that in when I was studying a psychology course of like that's why like it's really easy to remember a phone number because it's like set but as soon as like if you start adding more numbers and say like remember these ten numbers, chances are you'll f- forget some of them. Hmm. Um and now I've said that and I have so much confidence and I'm picturing <laughs> it in my memory I have confidence. And then I'm like, but memory is fallible. And that's the, <laughs> what we're talking about. Um so the way that maybe poems have been performed throughout history is still up for debate. Um, They're not exactly clear, historians that is, of how maybe the story of the Trojan War would have been like performed or shown to an audience and what that might have been like. Like how would they do it? Like they didn't even have black turtlenecks. So like how would they even go about, that's wild. But in modern times, um, we know that poetry readings didn't really start to become a thing in the U.S. until about the last half of the 20th century. Yeah, 1950s on, right? Like that's... Not not quite the 50s, but 
Um, so Robert Frost, right, was a, a, a big kind of touchstone for this. Um, he kind of like became the 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 focal point of this history of the modern poetry reading the poster boy um and dylan thomas which is another poet he wrote um do not go gentle into that good night um so they began reading on literary tours right so the same way that a raconteur like um like mark twain or humorist would would go on tour for people who didn't have television (laughs) you just by the way Inadvertently, by putting those two words so close together, really good name. If you are someone who like tells stories for a living and you travel around, the rack on tour, T O U R at the end, so it's like you're going on tour as a rack on tour, and it's the rack on tour oh, would be really great. If you want to use that, everybody, that's free. That's free to a good home. Um, and so these people used that uh, used that idea of like performance, and also the invention of the radio also mm. helped with this. Um, used it and launched poetry reading into a new, like, a new space that had never been there before. And then (gasps) once we want to talk about getting poetry reading into coffee shops and libraries, we have American poet Mark Smith. He's the one who was credited with holding the first poetry slam at the Get Me High Lounge in Chicago, November of 1984. It is unfortunate that his yeah, those two names together are very common names. Mark Smith. Because when I was growing up doing children's theater, like the guy who was like the piano player or musical director for every show was named Mark Smith. Oh. And you said Mark Smith, and I was like, couldn't, be, couldn't be the same guy, right? <laughs> um, and then from there, it spread around the U.S. here. Uh, in 1987, the Ann Arbor Poetry Slam was founded. In 1988, the first New York City Poetry Slam was hosted. Can I just say, if you had asked me, Travis, here are two cities, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and New York City, New York, which one of them do you think hosted a poetry slam first? Never in a million years would I have put Ann Arbor first. Ann Arbor, good on you. Trendy, cool, chic, Ann Arbor. Everybody, it's time to get on board with Ann Arbor, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, The first ever National Poetry Slam took place at Fort Mason in San Francisco in 1990. Um, And there uh, was a final event uh, held by the NPS, the National Poetry Slam mm. Society, I guess. So NPS. Um, S. NPS. It's just NPS. Oh. Uh, in 2018, there were 72 competing teams together to show off their poetry. Wow. That's amazing, yeah. right? Um, A lot of poems. And like, if you're going to go to that, I hope you like poems. These, that's a lot of poems. Yeah, these are just the ones that have like, I mean, obviously, media coverage, right? And I'm not saying that the first ever one was held in the 80s in the United States. I'm saying that these are the ones that gained the coverage so we can, like, pinpoint them. But, I mean, people have been standing and reciting in their living rooms forever, right? So we think about one of the ways that um, in the Regency, right, you think about one of the things that they would have done at their balls, before the dancing happened, people would read poetry and stories. Mm. Um, if you think about some of the things that like a a court jester might have done, yeah, uh, stand in front of the king and recite dirty poems, sure. right? 
So, so I'm not saying that this is a this is like nothing existed before these poetry slams. What I'm saying is, this is when it became cool. This is when it became mainstream, oh, okay. and there was media coverage to pinpoint these dots of time. Okay, I have a question for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, you if you enjoy poetry readings, but first, how about a word from some other Max Fun shows? Greatest Trek is the podcast for all your modern Star Trek needs. It's funny, informative, and now it's also timely. That's because every Friday, right after the release of a new episode of Strange New Worlds, Picard, Lower Decks, Discovery, or Prodigy, we bring you a review of that episode. There's some great new Star Trek coming up, and we're going to cover all of it. You'll like our show because we're both former video producers, so we bring a lot of insight into the production and filmmaking aspects to these episodes. And we also have a very refined sense of humor, so we make lots of delightful fart jokes along the way. So come see why Greatest Trek is one of the most popular television recap podcasts on all of the internet. Subscribe to Greatest Trek at MaximumFun.org or in the podcast app you're using right now. Hey there, this is Drea Clark. This is Alonzo Duralde. And this is Sparta! Iffy. Listen, I got 300 on the brain. We just watched the movie 300 in honor of our 300th episode of Maximum Film. That's right. And to celebrate this major milestone, we brought back original co-hosts Ricky Carmona and April Wolf. But just for this one episode, right? Oh, Iffy, you know we could never replace you. Some of the voices have changed over the years. Heck, the name of the show has changed too. But through it all, Maximum Film remains the movie podcast that isn't just a bunch of straight white guys. Deal with it. Find this and all 300 episodes of Maximum Film anytime on MaximumFun.org. Okay, Teresa. Do you like poetry? Like, are you, I, I, we've been together 13 years now. And if someone's like, does Teresa like poetry? I'm like, she doesn't dislike it? I think that's it. I don't think that I have ever like sought out a poetry slam or reading to go to. Um, I do like listening to stories and poems and such. Um, if if you were going to point to one, McElroy that loved it's Rachel, it's yeah, Rachel, yeah. right? Um, but maybe just because she's had that opportunity. Um, mm. If at our local coffee shop, if I happen to be there, and someone was doing poetry. You wouldn't leave. I would not leave. Okay. I would stay and listen. I remember, uh, I want to say it was like middle school, um, being introduced to E.E. Uh, e. Cummings poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I have this very clear memory of uh, in the class, we had to like pick a poem that we really liked and then like write a poem. And like they got compiled into this book. And I picked some poem about a court jester. And then I wrote a poem and I had all the like, and the words like sliding down and this word is shaped like this. And I changed the font of this one, just like E.E. Cumming. And it's so clear like, oh, that's cute. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's trying very hard to be E.E. Cumming. I just like that idea of like, oh, it's like messy all over the page. That's great. That's great. Um, So... If you were going to go to a poetry slam, here are some etiquette guidelines. Uh, Arrive on time if possible, right? It is difficult to perform when someone is like walking through a crowd or trying to find a seat or, I mean, if it's at a coffee shop, ordering coffee while you're 
uh, you're performing is is not cool. Yeah, it's not like a concert. You know what I mean? It's right. not like a band split. It's one person, maybe a couple, but they're just talking. It's not like music. So please do, if you're at a coffee shop, get a drink, but in between poems or poets, right? Um, so don't 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 interrupt anybody, um, and treat the slam like you would at a theater. So turn off your cell phone. Don't talk. Don't bother people around you. Um, and specifically at like one of these smaller gatherings, try not to like stand up in the middle, right? Because that's gonna draw focus and and pull people out of paying attention. Now, does it say in your notes? Is it BYOB? Like, bring your own beret, or they, like, provide it for you there? Wah, wah, wah. Who said that? Who said, get out of that booth, get out of here? But, that said, you can be a little looser with your affirmations at a poetry slam than you would at a theater, right? You have you don't really hear of people humming and nodding in agreement and things like that at, say, like, a Shakespeare soliloquy, right? You should, though. But, you should, though. It's, supposed, it's written that way to have a very rambunctious, groundling audience. Everybody should be more into it. I'm just saying, theater crowds, get drunk. But, I mean, <laughs> if you want to. So this is where the snapping comes in, right? Yeah. Snapping is a form of affirmation from the audience that they understand where you're going, they like what you've done, like that kind of stuff. That's what the snapping is for. A very unobtrusive kind of uh, nod of agreement, mm. right? And you, and affirmative sounds in general are usually welcome. You know, things like uh, different interjections that you might do, or ming and nodding and things like that. Um, but there are people who get really into it. They they clap or stomp or or yell or you know all that kind of stuff and. If you are used to that as a performer, I would say that it would feel really great to know that somebody in the audience was enjoying it so much that they were moved to speak to you. Here's the thing. This is key. Whenever you see any performance, right, it is perfectly fine to be in it. It is perfectly fine to be caught up in it, to be reacting to it. I would say a good rule to think about is, are you making it about you? Okay. Right? Because Yeah, you don't want to steal focus. I've been in shows before where like sitting in the audience where somebody was making those uh and you know sometimes you get out but there are people who you know don't necessarily have as much control over their interjections as other people and i understand that so with that in mind i say that if you're like interjecting so much and affirming so much that it starts to feel like a duet okay then maybe that's too much. This is a read the room yes. kind of situation. Um, but clapping, though, is usually at the end, yeah. right? So you would give applause for someone's poem. You might, you wouldn't snap for someone's poem at the end. There's a great bit in Spaced, uh, the Simon Pegg, uh, Jessica Stevens show, where they go to like this avant-garde like performance, and it's one of the funniest, dumbest jokes where the two people finish the performance, they bow, people start clapping. And while still bowing, the main person goes, it's not finished. <laughs> and then like three seconds pass, and then they go, it's finished. And then everyone starts laughing again. It is such a dumb joke, and I love it so much. Um, 
if you go to a poetry slam, you might find that people are so into the poem that they might boo or hiss at a villain's mention. Oh, sure. Right? Especially um, if you're doing like poetry about like social, you know, issues and justice and stuff. Right. There's plenty to boo and hiss. I don't know if I would I would not be comfortable doing that if I didn't know the person performing because it does feel like that could be kind of jarring. It could be more of like a um, a comment on the person's performance and less on a comment on the subject, right? If the villain is mentioned. Well, I'll say this, right? This is a thing. Anybody who's like performed on stage enough and like had training and does it professionally, there are cues that you can give an audience, right? Of mm-hmm. like, it, so this goes back to like Comedia dell'arte, right? Sure. Dell'arte, um, where like they would ask the audience directly, like, have you seen the lion anywhere? Right? And then people would be like, he's over there, right? But if you think about, if you're doing a poem and there's something you want to connect with the audience, looking at them and I'm going to give you a face that says, I'm angry about this. And you're like, oh, yeah, right? It's like, yeah, yeah you just cued me with the way you were performing, that that was the reaction you wanted, right? Absolutely. Instead of saying like, no, you laugh, now you snap, now you clap. Like, if they're in it and you're in it and there's that connection, there are cues that you can be given, right? But I think to your point, when in doubt, an mm, uh, yeah, nod, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So if, here are some, some rules, uh, guidelines, generalities, if you are, thinking of performing, maybe at a poetry slam. Uh, Don't feel pressure to be completely memorized. It's 100% okay for you to walk up there and read your poem from a notebook or even your phone. Lots of people do that. Um, And it's better to be confident in what you're doing than to try and leap to memorization when you're not ready, right? Yeah. Next is, if you're new to the room, try and keep your piece about three minutes. That's usually, that's a good way to kind of feel it out. Um, something that is much, much longer is usually reserved for a kind of like... Headliner. Headliner, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. You got me. I would also say if you're new, uh, and I think this goes for any kind of like open mic, be it poetry, music, comedy, whatever, support the rest of the people too. Absolutely. Like don't just do your bit and leave, right? Don't stand in the back of the room pacing around practicing your thing while other people are performing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you want them to sit and support you. Cause sometimes I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I've been at open mic night, like comedy things working. I remember working one when I did tech at UCB and the only people in the room were comics waiting to get up. Right. There was no audit. Like, the audience was made up entirely of people waiting their turn to go. So that's like, you have to support each other. Right, you gotta stay. You can't just there's nobody out. else here to watch aside from these like 20 other comics hoping to go up. Yeah. And if, if you don't support each other, and plus, man, this is, if you're serious about any creative thing like this, be it music, be it comedy, but whatever, that room, that experience is where connections begin, right? Like, that idea of like, well, I'm just here to do my thing and leave. You don't know which of these people you're going to end up becoming friends with, wanting to work with. They want to work with you, like end up sharing a bill with later, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, cool. Let's do a poetry night together. Be in the room. Make yeah. connections. Be supportive. Um, For your first couple times, don't worry about any of the extra stuff like props or costumes or musical accompaniment. And all that stuff is great, right? But the first couple times, just do 
the bear, like the bear stage, you and the mic and the spotlight, right? Because if you try and add too many things too quickly, it can get too overcomplicated and you can be too overwhelmed. Once again, this is just another performer thing. People, uh, artifice stuff where it's just like, I added this to be, like, I'll never forget. Once again, to go back to over mic nights, watching this comic who clearly was, I don't know, nervous, overconfident, whatever, but they came in with like bubble guns. And like shooting bubbles in the air. And there's a room full of other comics who are like, what is this? What are you doing? This has to, this not, you don't reference the bubble guns. There was no reason for this. Why are, why are you doing this? Yeah. Um, And we talked a little bit about affirmations earlier, but don't worry about holding for laughs or anything like that. Just do what, do the poem as you feel it should be done, right? With the, the pauses and, um, and the sounds or whatever it is you've planned to do, just do that. And if you end up needing to hold for laughs or applause, then, awesome. you, then you can, but don't plan on that, right? Um, and here's the last thing. Poetry slams are your own poems, okay? If you are reciting a poem that somebody else has written, that better be part of the bill, right? That better be part of what you say that you are doing because these events are your own That's a performance. That's a thing over here. I'm gesturing. You can't see people at home (laughs) because this is an audio medium. I gestured over there in a very uh, kind of metaphorical way. I would say that the only exception would be if you have um, some sort of reason why you can't like get up on the stage. Maybe you're in a wheelchair and it's not accessible or you um, maybe you've lost your voice or maybe you have um, uh, speech difficulties or something like that. You can nominate a friend to read for you. Right. Mm. That's that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you are not to recite someone else's work and pass it off as your own. Yeah. Ever. Ever. Don't do that. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully you can get out there and enjoy sharing your poems with your audience. Just have fun. Get out there and have fun. You know what I mean? Hey. Good hustle. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, no. He's clapping. Clap at the end. We're clapping at the Uh, end. One last anecdote from my life. Growing up uh, and going to Southern Baptist Church, there was never any indication when something finished, if it was a time to say amen or clap. Oh. And the number of times I remember being like 12 or going to clap and I hear an amen, I'm like, oh, ah, ah, I missed it. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you to our researcher, Alex, without whom we would not be able to make this show. Thank you to our editor, Rachel, without whom we would not be able to make this show. And thank you to you for listening. We can make the show without you, but why? Why would we do that? That would be silly. Uh, let's see. Oh, it's uh, you're going to be listening to this. Yes, it is new month. That means new merch over at MacroyMerch.com. There's a lot of really great stuff over there. Uh, listen, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's silly. But there's a Schlebethany pin that's from uh, Adventure Zone Steeplechase. We've got uh, Thanks for Vibing and Keeping It Tight tank top. There's Ooh, a so- I love those. I know. There's a Sawbones 10-year anniversary coin. Uh, and 10% of all merch proceeds this month go to Equality Florida, which is dedicated to securing full equality for Florida's LGBTQ community. Uh, also, this month, me and Griffin are going to be at AwesomeCon in Washington, D.C. That's June 16th through the 18th. You can get your passes at bit.ly slash Uh Also, I'm going to be at Gen Con August 3rd through 6th. Uh, and details on pages, tickets, and appearances are available at bit.ly slash Tours. You can also find the listing of all of our upcoming live shows there, bit.ly slash Tours. 
Who else do we thank? Teresa, what am I forgetting? We always thank Brent Rentalfloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Brew Hot Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. Always, we are taking your submissions for topics and questions and all sorts of things. Uh, you can email us at schmannerscast at gmail.com and say hi to Alex because she reads everyone. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.